Welcome back to Observing the Sabbath. I'm your host, Nathaniel Molnar. I'm joined once again by Johnny Gifford. Johnny, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Nathaniel. Always a pleasure to talk about some rock and roll music with you. Absolutely. It's always great to have you here. And today we are doing something a little bit special. Uh, over the last little bit, we've gone through song by song, dissecting and breaking down Black Sabbath's fifth studio album, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath from 1973 and we've gone all the way through the album and now we are turning our attention to the comment section because with every video you guys have been leaving all of your thoughts in the comment section about each and every song from this album and now I want to take a chance along with Johnny to dive into these comments and really start breaking down what you guys had to say about this album and this is one of my favorite videos to do after we finish every album because i just like kind of because you guys leave so many great thoughts in the comment section and really give me a lot of new perspective and new things to uh to think about and and chew on and there as much as there are things about black sabbath that i know um there's so many things that i learn from you guys that you guys teach me so it's always great to kind of go through these comments and really take a look at everything that you have to say so shall we dive into these comments johnny yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I love doing this. It's it's kind of like having a little mini conversation with the people who are uh, watching the videos as we are doing while we're uh, actually reacting to them. So it's cool. Absolutely. So we're kicking off with the first video from Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. And our first comment comes from one of our longtime viewers, JD Pyrotechnics, who writes, Dirty, nasty riffs from Tony. Love it. And I think that's just a great way to put it for... Uh, especially when you get to that sort of middle part of the song, dirty, nasty riffs is exactly what, uh, what, what we're dealing with, with Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. Yeah. I, I think it, it's funny how, uh, Tony's guitar playing works. It's more or less, you know, really dirty or just like really clean. There's like no in between. And mm -hmm. I love that he commits to, uh, what he's going for, for sure. And in this song in particular, it's very dirty and it's very nasty. Um, and our next comment from Glenn Glenn uh, Kirchens, who, and Glenn, if I mispronounce your last name, please let me know. Uh, a long time, love Glenn. You gotta love Glenn. Glenn is one of our longtime viewers as well. He writes, first, I see OTS, I see Observing the Sabbath, I click faster than a fat kid at a buffet. Now I'll watch. And Glenn, I had to say, the first time that I read that, I just, I don't remember where I was, but I just started cracking up laughing. <laughs> Uh, you gotta love Glenn. I, what I love about Glenn is that he always comments that he sees the video, and then he'll watch it, and then he comments again to give his thoughts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you, so we know in real time. We know in real time uh, Glenn's experience watching Observing the Sabbath. It's like he's really here with us. Yeah. And, and another word about Glenn before we keep going. Um, so obviously it's been. I I like to leave a little bit of time in between when we post the last of the. Um, videos for the album and before we do this video so i give people time to comment and leave their thoughts and everything and the other day glenn sent me a very nice email just saying essentially he was checking up and seeing uh how things were going because he hadn't 
uh, seen a video in a while and wanted to know when we're going to do Sabotage because uh, Sabotage is his favorite album. And I was like, don't worry, we're doing it very soon. Uh, I'm recording with Johnny uh, and we're going to get those videos out very soon. And Glenn wanted to pass along that he appreciates uh, our time and he appreciates you for taking time to, to work on these videos and how much he loves them. So that was a very nice email to get from Glenn. Oh yeah, thank you, Glenn. I appreciate that. It's, it's, it's really cool. I mean, we're just doing this because we're we're friends and we like to talk about music and we like Black Sabbath. But it's cool to know that there's people out there that are also interested in it and that uh, appreciate our time as much as we appreciate each other's time. Um. So our next comment uh, comes from George Yek Ozark. And again, if I pr mispronounce anyone's name, I I apologize. I'm not the greatest when it comes to pronunciation. Uh. So George writes, at age 12, I became a Sabbath fan. I saw them four times, twice in the 70s with Ozzy. I'm still a Sabbath fan at age 63. And this really points to something that I love, uh, that at least I've gotten to experience through uh, this community of people uh, for observing the Sabbath, is that there's such great diversity in terms of the, the age of people who love Sabbath. You get lots of people who comment on videos and will say, I saw them for the first time in 1970. I got the album Black Sabbath when it first came out in 1970. And any of people like, like me and like you, Johnny, who are in our early 20s and we love Sabbath, you get people who are 13 and they love Sabbath. There's such great range and diversity of ages of people. And I also love especially hearing from people who first like, got on the bandwagon when it first showed up. Like, the second that Black Sabbath came out, they were on it, and they've been riding that for 51 years. Or uh, And in the case of uh, George, at age 12, he became a Sabbath fan, and I always love to hear that. Yeah, I mean, Black Sabbath, like, undeniably and fundamentally changed rock music, so there's no surprise that if that's something that impacted you when you were young, that that's going to, you know stick with you uh, for a long time. And for people like us, uh, it's something that we can, you know, maybe we might not start there, but we can uh, sort of trace the music that we like back to a point where rock music was changed uh, in the 70s and the 80s with uh, Black Sabbath. And our next comment is Glenn had finished watching the video and left his thoughts. And Glenn says, excellent breakdown, gentlemen. So you see it as two halves of the original eight LP offerings. I see it as the third quarter. This is after they learned on the playground, after they learned in school or the studio with great speed, as you mentioned. Now they're able to show off all that knowledge and still be the standard bearer of what metal was to become. With Sabotage, South Bloody Sabbath is the time in Black Sabbath history where they earn the greatest of all time status. They became the... HOFers. Oh, Hall of Fame. That took me a second to figure <laughs> out. Uh, this song is my starter song for younger people that still love heavy music but have never really turned on to, uh, I'm assuming, Black Sabbath. Uh, it says BF. Yeah. To Black Sabbath, other than to radio songs. It's dark, it's bone crushing. That's a great way to describe it. This is one of the most dangerous songs for one's neck health. Peace. Yeah, on, on, honestly, like Sabbath, bloody Sabbath, you, you don't you don't see it coming, but it's it's one of the darkest songs that they have. I feel, or at least in terms of guitar, it's one of the heaviest that they have in moments. In moments, mm. um, absolutely. From what I recall, dirty, nasty yeah. riffs. Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. It really it goes for it. 
Um, and it is. I And I think you have these great moments where you have those, as JD put it, dirty, nasty riffs, but then you also have the more sort of um, uh, upbeat parts of it before you get into it. They contrast that constantly throughout the song. Um, and so... Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you said, Glenn. I think Bone Crushing is a great way to describe it. And yes, this is a song... I mean, I'm a I'm a purist in that if someone were to ask me, where do I start with Black Sabbath? I'll say, you start with Black Sabbath on the album Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. You start there and you work your way through. But um, if we're looking for maybe some good songs to say, we're not starting at the beginning, but... We want to give a good example of this is what Black Sabbath sounds like. This is their essence. This is what you could, you can listen to the song and you know what to sort of expect from the rest of their music. Uh, I think Sad Bloody Sabbath is a great example of that. Yeah, I feel like they have at least at least one song from every album that would be a really great starting point for anyone who's interested in rock music and interested in getting into Black Sabbath. Um, Sad Bloody Sabbath is one of the big ones that I feel like I would recommend to someone wanting to get it, into it for the first time. I feel like Supernaut is another one. Um, and then, you know, mm. once you hear that, like, one first song, uh, if you like it, then I would say, you know, start from the first album and work your way up. Yeah, absolutely. And I've also said uh, Wheels of Confusion is a great sort of uh, mm. embodying everything about what the great parts of Black Sabbath. And I'd say Snowblinds is a good example. Sweet Leaf, Paranoid, Fairy Sword. I could just keep going on. Uh, I'll cap <laughs> it there. <laughs> but, yeah, I... Uh, Great points, uh, Glenn. I, I completely agree with everything you're saying. And our next comment comes from our National Acrobat video. Uh, and this comment comes from JD Pyrotechnics, who writes, Kinda psychedelic. I love it. Sabbath doesn't always go into the psychedelic route. I'd say maybe their most psychedelic song uh, would be Planet Caravan. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's up for debate as well. But I completely agree. There are definitely psychedelic elements to a National Acrobat, and I really do appreciate that. Yeah, like like thinking of it off the top of my head, I don't know exactly what JD might be referring to in that song. I'd have to listen to it. Do, do you know mm. off the top of your head what what are the psychedelic elements of that song? I'd say the main riff itself is just the the sort of the repetition of the main riff. Mm. I think kind of has that sort of psychedelic nature. You have like the uh, the lyrics themselves are very um, introspective. Uh, and very grandiose, and so it's kind of dealing with these sort of larger themes and larger contexts, and then you kind of have this faster pace outro that re that really kind of builds up after you've had this sort of meandering um, part all the way through the song. So I think it's more sort of the, the journey of the song that has that psychedelic nature more so than the actual sound itself. Yeah, so many of their songs are like you're going through an entire journey of a trip, you know. Throughout, throughout the single song. <laughs> and so in that regard, I'd call it, yeah, psychedelic in, in just that structural regard, absolutely. And our next comment comes from Glenn Kirchens, who writes, Some of the deepest and most serious lyrics, as always, but these hit hard. We've been through a lot of crap the last year, but we must go on. Just remember, love is life and hate is living death. Treat your life for what it's worth and live for every breath. Looking back, I've lived and learned, but now I'm wondering... Here I wait and only guess what this next life will bring. Ha ha. Thanks, buddy. Job well done. Yeah, that's. I think lyrically that's my favorite part of the whole song. Uh, just remember love is life and hate is living death. Treat your life for what it's worth and live for every breath. You know, when, when people say, like, 
people who are generally uh, uneducated about Black Sabbath were like, oh, Black Sabbath is just dark and, and droomy and, and it's all just doom. and Droomy? And... Did you say droomy? Yeah, I think I'm combining two words there. Uh... <laughs> Dreary and doomy? Yes. There we go. It's I see. We're, we're making up words here on Observing the Sabbath. Uh, it's very droomy. Um, you know, you get the... You know, people who are like, oh, it's just about worshiping the devil and all that. Uh, people don't realize that uh, a lot of their songs all have these like great uh, messages about, you know, living life for what it's worth, as it says in the song. And I think this is like one of the greatest examples of just pure inspirational uh, messaging in their songs. And yes, you do have Black Sabbath and you do have uh, songs that are darker and sort of more twisted. Um sabbath bloody sabbath but then you have a lot of really positive lyrics and messages in there um that i i think a lot of people can overlook yeah I, black sabbath just has an incredible amount of range in um the lyrics that they produce uh thank you geezer for that one absolutely um, and this song in particular and you know there, there's also a classic like uh sex drugs rock and roll type songs but this one is just mm -hmm. like so uplifting and it's like just really beautifully composed and of course it's over this just heavy heavy rock track which is just so funny that they can just keep writing different kinds of lyrics over uh over these like song structures and they still work no matter what they're talking about it still works every time it's never jarring yeah absolutely and and even just looking at sad bloody sabbath as an album you have such a range in what they're singing about like you have this mm -hmm. sort of more introspective looking at life in its entirety with a national acrobat and then you have sabracadabra which is about I'm dating a girl and she's awesome and we have sex and it's awesome. Um, and then you have uh, Killing Yourself to Live, which is more about looking at society and people and, and, and maybe even just what it's like to be in a band. Um, and and you, you have so much range just even in this one album. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a very good point. Our next comment comes from Bruce Dickinson 12, who writes, my favorite. Well put. It is. It's definitely it's not my favorite. Um, off of this album, but I think a national Acro acrobat is a great song, and I think it's definitely a highlight of the album. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Bruce from uh, from across the pond, as you can see with the, <laughs> the you and the favorite. And then uh, I Shaspears one, who I feel like I always mispronounce this username, uh, but no one's corrected me yet. So uh, <laughs> Shaspears one writes life, life. Well put. Yeah, some songs are death. Some songs are beyond or unknown. This mm -hmm. one, this song, is life. Life. Mm -hmm. Very succinct, very well put. Excellent. Uh, if you're going to make the movie poster for a national acrobat, life would be the quote that you'd put at the very top. Absolutely. Uh, and our next comment comes off of our video for the instrumental fluff. Glenn Kirchens writes... I hear a river and a tree swing, two young ones growing together with highs and lows ending together as adults buried under the tree at the end. I love that. I love that so much because I remember I was talking about how songs like that just really evoke imagery in my head. Mm. And uh, I, I, I remember I was describing like, you know, what I was what I was uh, seeing as I was listening to the song. And it's really cool to get someone else's perspective on that. And it's definitely I forget exactly what I was describing when I was listening to it, but it's definitely along the, these similar lines that Glenn is describing here. So I think Black Sabbath is doing a great job at um, just evoking, you know, 
imagery that has very similar concepts and themes, but everyone kind of sees it in their own unique way, which is which is cool. I completely agree, and I think mm-hmm. that's a that's especially something they get to do with their instrumentals, like Laguna Sunrise. You get that um, really like th- like with their regular songs. I mean, you definitely have the lyrics are helping shape what people's interpretation of things are. But when you have these just pure instrumentals, you can take so many different things away from it. Uh, but then it's also kind of rooted in similar things because you have the tone and the structure of the song. So yeah, I agree. Like. Uh, I, I don't know if I necessarily would have said word for word exactly what Glenn said, but it would have been that same feeling, that mm. same tone that he's going for as you were going for. And there's like an uh, arc. There's like an arc that he's describing too, like a progression of time. That's something I love about the, their instrumentals is that they can really just change things up in the middle of an album and just go for something completely different. So very well put, Glenn. Very well put. Our next comment comes from Joy James, who writes, I'm so glad you did this reaction. I've asked so many people to react to this, and no one has. This is one of the songs I grew up listening to. Thank you so much. And I I, I responded to Joy uh, James uh, in the comment section, and I said something along the lines of, this is exactly what I love about doing this channel, is that when you have other people who do primarily like their their youtube channels are we listen to all different kinds of music you'll get people who listen to some black sabbath songs and i love watching those videos like i literally like even last night i went down a rabbit hole of i'll just go on youtube and i'll write black sabbath reaction and there'll just be a whole bunch of new videos of this person watched war pigs for the first time this person listened to sweet lee for the first time um but you don't get no one's going to, on those channels, listen to Fluff. No one's going to listen to, you know, those really deeper tracks uh, that you can only really get when it's sort of a hyper-focus on Black Sabbath. And that's something I love about doing this channel, is that we can take the time to dive into something like Fluff that not many other people are going to do. Yeah, I, th- I think that everything they've done, um, you know, deserves its, its own attention, um, even if it's not, you know one of their classic, you know, hard-hitting rock songs. I think they all deserve uh, some analysis and some attention for sure, and I'm glad that we were able to provide that for for you, Joy. Uh, if you're watching, I th- I'm sorry. I think it's messed up that no one would ever react to it for you. <laughs> yeah. Anything you ever want me to react to, I got you. I'm there for you. You just let me know. Yes. And thank uh, you. Thank you, though. Thank you, Joy. Yeah, thank you, Joy. Uh, and I'm I'm glad you like the video. I'm glad you're uh, you're a part of this community. It's great to have you. We, we do we not have just I mean we've had a couple of troll comments over the last year we've been doing this, but for the most part, we have like just absolute nicest, greatest people who comment and just so much love and positive energy being thrown out there. Yeah, I hadn't seen any comments whatsoever or even thought about them until like a couple weeks ago when you sent them to me. And I was like just blown away by just how nice people were, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we have some great people who keep up with these videos. And I I just, it makes it so rewarding to do the videos because you know Glenn is going to come in and say something really nice about uh, his experience with the song. Or JD Pyrotechnics is going to say how much uh, they appreciated the the song. So there's a lot of... There's a lot of great people who who comment. Um, our next comment comes from the aforementioned Glenn, who writes, I see OTS, I click, I like, then I watch. And that is exactly how one should experience this channel. You see it, you click it, you like it, you watch it. That is the intended experience. 
Yep, that's exactly so. what the what the creators intended. Absolutely. So, uh, so Glenn being a, a model subscriber there with his uh, method of experiencing this channel. <laughs> um, and our next comment comes from John F underscore UK is how I'm going to say it. Uh, another one from across the pond, I see. Yes. Uh, and this comment says, This song always reminds me of Albatross by Fleetwood Mac. It's a wonderful acoustic instrumental song that's a respite from the usual hard-hitting stuff that's expected of Sabbath. I will admit, I don't know... I, I, I know some Fleetwood Mac, but I don't know that song off the top of my head. And I remember when I saw that comment, I was like, I'm going to listen to the song before we record the comment section video so I can give a really great insight into what uh, John F.U.K. is trying to say. And then I completely forgot. So, <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, I don't have any great insight uh, uh, to go along with what you had to say there, John. Uh, but I, with your description of what fluff is on this album, uh, kind of being this nice piece that's in the midst of this really hard hitting album, I completely agree. Yeah. I, I also, you know, don't know that song off the top of my head, but I know Fleetwood Mac just kind of in general. And the fact that you can compare Black Sabbath to them at points and be absolutely correct about that comparison is, uh. I don't know. It's it's funny. It's just funny, and it's uh, yeah. it's it's cool that you can compare Black Sabbath to Fleetwood Mac at some points, but then not most of the time. You can't do that most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah, exactly. And that that just shows how dynamic Black Sabbath is. Yeah. Is that they at points are able to be compared to all these other different bands that you would never associate initially with Black Sabbath, and probably even had some influence on uh, bands later on that were kind of making similar softer acoustic music or. Anything in that vein. Our, our next comment comes off of the Sabra Cadabra video. And this comment comes from Shakespeare's one who writes, This can only be described as a tune and a half. Mm. <laughs> Shakespeare's one has these uh, great little insights into all of these songs. I love the yes. one-liners. <laughs> yes, yes. Shakespeare's one coming in with the one-liners, uh, as is in their name. Um, yeah, this is absolutely a tune and a half. Well put. Um, JD Pyrotechnics writes, definitely a fun song in a Sabbath kind of way. Also, in my opinion, this is their most upbeat song up to this point in their discography. Yeah, I think that was something I was saying in the video itself was that this is just a fun song. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's not like lyrically, it's not uh, deep. You know, it doesn't have, I mean, it's got a great riff, but it's not like a super intricate thing. It's just a very fun enjoyable entertaining song to listen to and it's a great closing to the a side of the record i'm having fun <laughs> i well i'm having fun every time that i listen to black Sabbath. but i'm especially having fun when i listen to sabra Kadabra, which mm -hmm. I, I said in the video but i love that name you know if it, why not call it sabra Kadabra? there is absolutely no reason not to call it sabra Kadabra. i mean that's that's a fun name yeah it's a fun name for a fun song. It's that 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 song's such a blast to listen to. It it, it really is. Yeah, it's it's kind of going into the um, you know, still still in like heavy rock, but kind of into the goofier side of uh, Black Sabbath, and just seeing like you know their dynamic is just a bunch of dudes goofing around and making music together. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, our next comment comes from Juan X two one six who writes, For this album, they locked themselves away in an old haunted castle in England. It's a little ironic that they would come up 
with such an uplifting song in that context. And that is something that I failed to mention at all during this album is that the, the context of which the album was made. So thank you, Juan, for pointing that out and giving me a chance to kind of talk about this a little bit because it, it's really important and it's really cool. So after Volume 4 came out, um, as we've talked about so many times on this, this channel, Black Sabbath, Paranoid, both came out in 1970. Master of Reality, 1971. Uh, Volume 4, 1972. They'd put out four records in f in two years. Um, and uh, Sab Bloody Sabbath came out in 73, but after Volume 4... Tony Iommi's like, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> he's like, he's talking about, he's talked about at length about how after volume four, he's trying to, there's all this pressure now to make an album. And he's like, I have no idea. I've got nothing. We kept trying stuff out. It wasn't working. We just couldn't really get, we, we, we'd say, all right, we're going to go work on the album today. And then they'd all get really high and not do anything. And we're like, all right, we'll do it tomorrow. And then they all get really high and they don't do it. <laughs> and that, that process kept happening uh, for a very long time. Uh, and so to inspire them to try to get back to the their sort of Black Sabbath roots, they get this big, like, old ancient castle in London where they, it's just the four of them in this giant castle and they work on the album there. Uh, and there's a lot of, I don't remember all the details, but there's a lot of great anecdotes about their time there and how I remember uh, I remember one story specifically I believe it happened there where Bill Ward uh, had been drink well they'd all been drinking but Bill Ward had passed out and they took they they took paint and they painted him gold like entirely head to foot painted him in gold <laughs> um, and then he started to like have a severe reaction uh, and so they called like an ambulance and rushed him to the hospital and the doctor's like what, what were you morons thinking? You painted him gold. You could have killed him. Uh, and they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, we kind of we could have killed him. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, so so you, you don't lock uh, Black Sabbath in a castle alone with uh, unlimited amounts of cocaine. Uh, that's not a great... Re it's a recipe for a great album, but not necessarily for uh, conducive towards people's health. Yeah, it's a miracle they didn't straight up just kill each other just from sheer stupidity at, at points. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Like, like there are so many... When you read all the close calls, there were so many close calls where had one little thing not happened or if one little thing had happened, they'd all be dead. Yeah. So. It's good that that, that um, castle could be the catalyst for their uh, overcoming their writer's block, though, because... That's something that happens to every artist, and I can absolutely speak from experience that that, you know, you, you pump out like an album worth of songs, and then you, you feel so good about it, and then all of a sudden you're like, what's next? And you just, you can't come up with anything. And it, this can be a challenging thing, and sometimes all you need is time. Uh, sometimes you just need, you know, one little aspect or one little factor to change for the ideas to just start pouring through, and I'm glad that they found that in this, uh, this cast, this haunted haunted castle i i completely agree i i love that they went for that castle and i think i think it definitely helped like it's like i can totally imagine them like playing sabbath bloody sabbath in this giant hold uh abandoned castle and just hearing like echoing the da -da 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 -da, da -da 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 -da, just echoing through the whole area <laughs> mm. what a treat it would be to see see them play in a large space like that or like a cathedral just the mm. natural reverb Oof. 
Yeah. That would be amazing. That would be incredible. Um, all right. Our, our next comment comes from Glenn, who writes, as per usual, I see OTS, I click, I like, then enjoy a little Sabbath time with a fellow appreciado of the greatest metal band of all time. That is exactly what this channel is all about. So thank you, Glenn. Uh, I will always say, Glenn, the model subscriber. You cl- you see it, you click it, <laughs> you like it, you watch it, you enjoy it. Uh, so and then thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Glenn. And then Glenn follows up, having watched it with excellent review. I've pulled this one uh, out on more than one occasion to enjoy. Is a good old jam and love song. The riffs are catchy. The bass never stops thumping, and Bill never leaves a fill undone. But the way Ozzy belts it out is what gets me. Till next time, peace. Uh, yeah, great, great, great points there. It really is. It's such a. I think I said in the video. I said this isn't a word that I think I've ever used in any other context, but it just fits for this. This is a groovy song. It is. It's groovy. It just. It's got yeah. good pace. It's got good rhythm. The it just flows so well. Uh, Ozzy's vocals are great, and it's it just it's a fun song. Yeah, there's like there's no interruptions. It just keeps going and keeps going. Absolutely, I'd call that I'd call that groovy, hundred percent. It is very groovy, uh, and groovy is absolutely metal. Um, and then our next comment, last comment on Sabracadabra, comes from Jonathan Shaw, who writes: Geezer wrote every lyric apart from the writ. Uh, so this was something I, I was talking about how, to the best of my knowledge, Sabracadabra was just a jam song that they were doing. Uh, they had Rick Wakeman doing the uh, keyboards. And so Ozzy was just kind of spitballing the lyrics as they were kind of just playing. Um, and Jonathan is right to a degree. Um, all, the Geezer wrote almost all the lyrics uh, but there were, it's a little bit more than just the writ that Ozzy wrote. Ozzy co-wrote Black Sabbath. Uh, Ozzy definitely wrote the writ. And then there were a couple instances like Sabracadabra. I'm pretty sure Planet Caravan was also just uh, Ozzy just saying words as they were playing to kind of fill the space. And that's what they went for. Um, so there are a couple instances where Ozzy sort of wrote other songs um but predominantly like if you were to boil it down to um who is the 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 songwriter for black sabbath it's geezer butler ozzy wrote a couple of parts and of course bill ward wrote it's all it's all right so there are a couple points where other people wrote other songs but if you were to definitively say who is the songwriter for black sabbath it's geezer butler thank you geezer thank you geezer and geezer does not get enough credit no. Never. I mean, I think he does in Black Sabbath circles, but outside of that, you know, first of all, like, bass is always, I think, the most, like, overlooked and underappreciated part of a band. Because it, out of all the other elements, it's the most not in your face. You hear the drums, you hear the guitar, you you hear the, the lyrics, but a bass can, can a lot of times just add to it, and you notice it when it's not there, but you don't always actively hear the bass it, it's not the the star of the show it's sort of helping build this atmosphere more 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 of the most of the time i feel like you more feel the bass mm. than you do anything else that that's a great way and to put it's, it. it's an easy it's an easy and then without it you don't you don't feel it and then you notice but it's more of like a subconscious thing that you feel most of the time yeah and, and so to have 
uh, Geezer be the bassist, and so he's not necessarily getting all the attention in the world for playing the bass, and then also to be the songwriter when a lot of people will just look at it and assume that Ozzy wrote all the lyrics. Um, Geezer can be overlooked a lot when he's actually, like, probably right up there with Tony in terms of the creative direction of, of the band. So that ends Sabracadabra, and our next comment comes off of our Killing Yourself to Live video. And this comes from, uh, I feel so bad because this uh, commenter has commented before, and I've never known how to pronounce this name, and I've just referred to this person as NP. Um, so I, I apologize. Uh, if you ever want to comment and like phonetically spell out the best way to pronounce your name so I could do it from now on, uh, please do. Otherwise, I'm going to refer to you as NP, and I apologize, but I it's, it's a language that I can't speak. Um, so NP writes, I listened to rock music 20 years. I am 40 now, and all I have to say is Black Sabbath's first eight LPs are a best thing to happen to rock music. This is one of their songs that epitomized their greatness. Heavy, groovy, there's the word, heavy, groovy, genius changes, brilliant solo. If perfection exists in rock music, these guys were really close. Mm. <laughs> I like that ending sentiment. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to, when you're talking about art, you're never going to get perfection. They're as close as, they, as you can get to perfection. Um, it's just, and I think that's a great way to put it for killing yourself to live. Um, and I think something, I mean, there's something to be said about the longevity and the lasting power of Black Sabbath. We were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier with you have people who, uh, the, the diversity and age ranges of people who listen to Sabbath. But generally speaking, when people get hooked on Sabbath, it's not a phase, you know. It, it, it's not, oh, I listened to Black Sabbath and like loved Black Sabbath, got into it for a couple of years and then I kind of moved on. When people catch the Black Sabbath bug, they're on it for life. And that's not and that's something that doesn't go away. And I don't know how many bands... I mean, you can obviously say that for other bands, but I don't know how many bands you can truly say that. That there are people who, as so many people, at different points in their life, listen to this band, and it's just a part of them for the rest of their life. That, that really says something about how special the music is. I think a lot of that kind of comes from uh, the context of, like, when they uh, were making music and the kind of music that they were making that not a lot of other people were were doing at that time. Um, you know, if they were making music, like, today or, like, you know, 30 years later than they were, I don't know that they'd have the same following that they do today. I think they would still have, like, a, a cult following of people that think they're really cool, but they wouldn't have had nearly as much outreach if they weren't like just literally pioneering everything that they were making yeah absolutely and you know people often say like the first people who do it are usually the best you know and then everything else is imitation or copy and and obviously there's been great music that's come as a result of black sabbath but a lot of the times you have to look no further than the people who did it first and our next comment comes from jd pyrotechnics who writes my second favorite Sabbath song. I love this one. It's such a jam. The alternate lyric version is also super good. I'm glad it got put out on the new Volume 4 Deluxe Edition live show. I have not listened to that yet. Um, of course, Black Sabbath has been doing these uh, super deluxe versions 
uh, out on CD and out on vinyl for their albums. They did Paranoid, they did Volume 4, and they just announced, like, a week ago or so, that they're doing Sabotage as well. Um, which I have not bought any of them yet, and I think it was my last uh, comment section video. I went in depth as to why, as of right now, I haven't been inclined to necessarily buy the Super Deluxe versions, mainly because... For the price that they're offering, there's not enough extra stuff in addition to the regular album that would uh, cause me to go, you know what, yeah, it's worth spending 110 bucks on the vinyl to get it. Because uh, I wouldn't get the CD version, personally. Um, even though it's a lot cheaper. Uh, but yeah, so that's something I know for the Volume 4 Super Deluxe. They have a live show uh, component of it, and I knew that Killing Yourself to Live, I didn't know it was an alternative lyric version on there, so that's something I gotta see if I can find, like, on YouTube somewhere, um, if I can check that out, um, and in terms of what you're saying about this being your second favorite South song, I don't know exactly where it stands for me, I know for a very long time, this was my favorite Sabbath song, it's since been kind of replaced, but all of my kind of rankings are kind of are up in the air. They're always very fluid. They're always kind of changing out. Uh, but yeah, this for a long time was my favorite Sabbath song. It's definitely in my top five. Yeah, this is this is a good one. And I didn't know that they had um, this these super deluxe versions. And I'm sure you yeah. could find some of these extra bits on like YouTube or something. I'm sure you could. I would say for people who don't already own like it, it I, and I'm only talking about the vinyl component of this just because I I don't listen to CDs at all. So. If you're someone who collects vinyl and you don't own Paranoid or you don't own Volume 4 already, I think the Super Deluxe is a great thing to get because mm. you're just spending – because it's already like maybe 25 30 bucks to get the regular vinyl you're, and you're just spending an additional amount. You get a remastered version of that original record, but then you get all this bonus stuff. And so if you're going to buy the, the record or you want to buy it, why not get this Super Deluxe version? Um, I guess for me, at least I already own them all. So it's so it's more, what's the extra additional things. And is that worth spending a hundred or so dollars to get the vinyl? And so far it hasn't been, maybe it will in the future. Um, but as of right now, it hasn't been, or maybe the price goes down a little bit. And, uh, at that point it's worth it, but I love that they're putting out this stuff, even if it's not stuff I'm getting myself, I love that they're putting it out because it shows that they're still willing to kind of put time and money and effort into uh, putting out content for Black Sabbath fans. And I, I just think that's great. Yeah, I think so too. And I think um, if we're able to find any of those like extra bits, extra songs or B-sides or alternate versions or whatnot, it would be cool to you know listen to some of those too and give our thoughts. I think we should do that. So I found on YouTube, one of the things that was really appealing about the volume for Super Deluxe was that they had this whole, um, one of the the records that it came with was this whole thing of studio outtakes and false starts. And so you have a lot of like, uh, like the studio talk as they're kind of talking with each other, talking with producers and their rehearsals and, and all that kind of stuff. And I found they have, it's like about an hour long or so. I found that on YouTube. So that may be a fun one to, to listen to. So you get all the sort of little behind the scenes things for like Supernod and Wheels of Confusion and Snowblind and all those. 
I'd love to hear all their little banter, like, mm-hmm. between songs and stuff. A lot of it is kind of hard to make out exactly what they're saying. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's it's cool to have it all there. So that, that may be something for us to look at doing in the future. All right, and our next comment comes from Glenn Kirchens, who writes, The lyrics, as usual, are still relevant. A true roller coaster ride. Smoke it. Get high. Yeah, the Cal Jam folks had no idea what they were witnessing. Thanks, gents. Peace. Um, I think that's something we talked about in the video is that in the live uh, video version of For Killing Yourself to Live filmed at Cal Jam in 1974 that um, people weren't, I was saying, people weren't reacting as much as they should have been to hearing this song because people were just kind of very static in the audience. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love this song. And that's one of my favorite parts of the song. Smoke it. Get high. Dude. I, I love the way that those uh, lyrics are, are like delivered in that song too yeah. it's just like so funny it is it's just like so close to you and it's like smoke it <laughs> yeah and I and I love I love when they're doing that whole part in the in the Cal Jam video um, because Ozzy's singing that part and the whole audience just goes nuts because of course it's 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 a giant Cal Jam uh, festival everyone's stoned there uh, and yep. then it gets to that that the greatest one of the greatest riffs of of Black Sabbath's ever done. So if it's one of the greatest riffs Black Sabbath has ever done, then by definition it's one of the greatest riffs of all time. Uh, once you Naturally. get to, once you get to that part, Ozzy's like, "All right, let's rock and roll," and they get right into it. Oh, that's great! I love that video. That's one of my <laughs> that's one of my favorite like uh, live performances to watch ever like the the killing yourself to live specific i mean all of cal jam is great but that one specifically killing yourself to live is excellent mm. it's it's so much fun uh you really get the energy and that 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 leads right into the last comment too here it, that it does um and our next comment comes from missing truck 666 who writes Hope you make a commentary video with some live shows of Sabbath, specifically those from the 70s. There is so much talent to appreciate there, too. Um, and that was written literally, like, one day before you and I were supposed to film our Live in Paris video um, that we did about a month ago. And so I commented, I was like, yep. keep your eyes open for next week, because uh, <laughs> we got some stuff coming. Uh, yeah, and we're definitely going to do more of that. Um I'm not sure specifically what or when yet. We don't have anything locked down, but we are definitely going to be doing more reactions to live shows. Those are always so much fun. I know I had a blast doing it when we did the the live in Paris, which is actually live in Brussels um, video. That was so much fun to do, and we're definitely going to do more of that in the future. Yeah, that was fun. It just felt like we were we were almost like uh you know how they have like commentators at you know baseball games that you know mm-hmm. they're up in the booth and they're broadcasting the whole thing live it felt like we were doing that but for a rock concert <laughs> it was kind of cool yeah absolutely yeah it was, it was it was fun uh that was a lot of fun to do and we're definitely going to do more of it in the future all right our next comment comes from our who are you video uh to which np writes again the change in the middle of the song is so effing brilliant uh, I agree. It's it's great. It does have that because you kind of have the again, or I think somebody else wrote in here what the instrument is. Yes, the Minimog synthesizer. Um, Minimog. Minimog. Um, all right, we'll call Moog. Minimog. How is it? Mo Moog. Minimog. Mimimog. Yeah. All right. 
the synthesizer. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we'll come back to that comment, but with that uh, instrument, you have this like whole sound and tone to the whole song, and then you have this mm-hmm. like change up right in the middle of the song. That I, I agree. Who are you? I still think it's one of the weaker songs on the album. Uh, it's not a bad song or anything like that, and I went in-depth explaining my thoughts of it in the video. It's not a bad song, any stretch of the imagination. I think, compared to the rest of the album, it's one of the weaker ones. Uh, but I agree, though, you still, with that change-up, that's a great change-up, and it's still a really good song. Alright, <laughs> our next comment comes from Glenn, who writes, I played this on repeat for three hours while high on acid in 1982. <laughs> yep, that sounds about right. That That's, that's, <laughs> yep. And I, I think... Uh, again, Glenn, you've got the experience locked down. You know how to experience observing the Sabbath. You know how to experience Sabbath itself. You've got these things locked down. So good on you, man. That's <laughs> yeah. What a what a model consumer of art, right there. And of acid. <laughs> Get high on acid and listen to one song for three hours straight. That's that's how you got to do it. That's how music's meant to be listened to, especially Sabbath. Yeah, a- absolutely. So so thank you thank you for sharing that, Glenn. We 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 always love a good drug stories and uh, here on observing the Sabbath. Um, our next comment comes from Philip R, who writes. Thanks for bringing up the whole Paris versus Belgium issue with that live show, LL. So I believe Philip was the same person who, uh, after we did the aforementioned Live in Paris 1970 uh, show, Philip, I believe, was the person in the comments who was like, well, actually, that wasn't Paris. That was actually uh, Belgium. And I was like, no, it's not. Wait, what? It is? And so then I did a little bit of research and turns out, and I mentioned in the Who Are You video, because I think this was the first video to come out after we did that show. Um, I just kind of clarified that uh, a lot. It's, it's always been referred to as the Live in Paris show, but it was actually filmed in Belgium. So uh, that's a little bit of trivia there for Black Sabbath fans who may have thought that that was actually uh, Paris. It's not. It's actually Belgium. So thank you again, Philip, for uh, correcting me on that and for pointing that out to me. And um, I I just want to make sure, um, you know, I think there are some people who would rather uh, double down uh, and ju- or not acknowledge it because that would make them look wrong. I- I'm okay with being wrong as long as people are pointing it out to me and correcting me. You know, I have no issues with being wrong um, on things because then I know the truth and then I can be better. So uh, thank you, Phil, for pointing that out. And absolutely going forward. People, correct me if I say something that's wrong or n- not correct information because I'm, I'm not an authority. I don't know everything. And uh, I always want to make sure that I'm putting out correct information to people. It's funny. It almost makes you wonder if the whole calling it live in Paris thing is just like a bit or like a joke. Yeah. So I, I believe it came from that the show. So the show obviously like aired on TV. And of course, at the time, you know, there's no Roku. There's no uh, DVR, so it, it airs once. So it became bootlegged, and then it was just referred to as live in Paris because I guess the people bootlegging didn't really know where it was from. And then it wasn't until years and years and years later when people were able to kind of dissect the video and look at the auditorium and look at everything to kind of figure out, no, this was actually filmed in Belgium. This wasn't filmed in Paris. Anyways, thanks for the comment there, Philip. Our next comment comes from JuanX216, who writes, Waiting for the Sabotage review. Sabotage is coming soon, my friend. Sabotage is coming soon. Of course, we're doing this video, and then as soon as we're done 
uh, with this. We're wrapped up with Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. We're completely done with the album. And then we're diving in and tackling Sabotage. So that is coming very soon, my friend. Oh, yeah. Cannot wait. I can't wait. Just re-listened to it the other day, and I'm stoked. Yeah, there's a lot of great things on there. Uh, and I know, <laughs> I, I was surprised the amount of people who have commented and said that Sabotage is their definitive favorite Sabbath album. Which you don't hear too often, but a lot of people I've found with like diehard Sabbath fans, Sabotage is their favorite. Um, so it's gonna be a great album to get into and kind of uh, tackle. And our next yeah. comment comes from our Bryce Neal, who informs us that the instrument Ozzy is playing is a Minimoog, Minimog, Moog. The last Moog. part is Moog. Mimimog synthesizer well uh bryce thank you for letting me know um and even though i will never be able to say it correctly uh that is what the instrument is and now we are all uh further educated about that so thank you all right our next comment comes from glenn and this is off of our looking for today video glenn writes totally agree with it being criminally underappreciated totally don't understand why it wasn't released as a single it would have fit well on aor radio i agree i think looking for today would have been a really good single um it, it kind of has that feel to it i described it uh as probably one of south's most pop songs uh but not like in a bad way like it, it's it, it it works for what that song is and it's it's a song that not enough people talk about yeah, if, if like one end of the spectrum is Tony doing really ter dirty, nasty riffs, and this is his other end of the spectrum, his mm. uh, his very clean uh, side. But he, he does both so incredibly well, though. He's, he's got range, and the whole band does. Yeah, 100%. Uh, our next comment comes from Frosty Bivs, who writes, You're doing God's work. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I'm just glad that we can uh, provide a service that people like and appreciate um and i'm always here to talk about black sabbath um all right thank you frosty thank you frosty our next comment comes from np who writes when acoustic guitar enters what a joy to listen to it amazing song and i love so much the outro the outro is really good um it, it, it overall it's just it's a really good song and again, not enough people talk about looking for today. It's just a really good song. Our next comment comes from Misantrox666, who writes, This is my favorite song in the album. The lyrics are great and kind of meaningful. The vocals show the range that Ozzy had back then. This song has a similar vibe of Solitude or Sleeping Village to me. That's an interesting thing to look at. I don't know, like comparing it to Solitude and Sleeping Village. I don't know if I necessarily agree because I feel like those songs are much slower and looking for today mm -hmm. has a lot more of a pace to it and uh, no one's right or wrong you know it's all subjective but at least to me I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that comparison um, I would say a little bit more like who are you I I I'd, I'd mm -hmm. compare a little bit more to Sleeping Village but um but I, I completely agree. It It's not my definitive favorite song on the album. It is right up there, though. I, I think it is a very much a high point of the album. And I think, I mean, I, I kind of talked about in my video for Spiral Architect, which we'll get into uh, next after this last comment. Uh, Spiral Architect, I think, is sort of, I think it's the weakest point of the album for me. 
Uh, and I sort of was theorizing of what if looking for today was the end of the album because then you'd be going out on this really high note. But uh, but that's just me. All right. And our last comment for looking for today comes from JD Pyrotechnics writes, haven't heard the song in quite a few months and I'm not sure why. It's a rather good song by musical standards. Just not necessarily great by Black Sabbath standards in my opinion. Nevertheless, an enjoyable listen at the very least. I am not sure the name of the instrument you're referencing in the song. However, during the transition earlier in the song, I know for a fact it's a flute played by Tony. Good solo at the end, and unfortunately a lazy chorus on this one. Luckily though, like I've pointed out before, most Aussie era songs don't have a chorus to begin with. This is something I was discussing in the song, is that I generally, or in the video, I generally don't like it when the chorus of a song is just saying the name of the song over and over and over again. Like, I, I, I just have never gotten into that. And Black Sabbath does not do that, really, ever. This is one case where they do. And I think, A, the fact that they don't do that all the time, and that they really do it only this time. And B, just the vocal tone that Ozzy gives for that part of the song. I think, for me, it works. Um, but I agree with you. Like, in general, I think that idea, that concept is rather lazy. But I think, like, even lazy concepts can be done well. And I think in this case, I think it's done well. Um, and, yeah, there's definitely that great flute part. Um, completely agree. And I, I could understand why someone would look at this song and say it's not great by Black Sabbath standards. Because it doesn't have that dirty, nasty riff of Sad Bloody Sabbath. It doesn't have a lot of those trademarks. But I think it's just a good song in its own right. Yeah, I didn't know that it was a flute played by Tony in that song either. I think that's cool. Um, in regards to the lazy chorus thing, I feel like having your lyrics repeat and your music repeat over and over again in, in, as a chorus isn't like inherently a lazy idea, but it's all about execution. Like if it doesn't really build up to that point and then you just start repeating things and then it can feel like you're just kind of droning on just for the sake of oh, this is our chorus, let's just let's just roll with it. But if you build up to a point, like lyrically or, or musically, if you're building up to that point where it just suddenly breaks and then you get your, like, powerful chorus that's repeating over and over again, it's like, it's like pounding it into you more than it is just, like, droning on and on. So I think it's really all about execution. Um, and I can't really speak on this song, just, like, off the top of my head, whether it's done lazy or not, but, as, like... I am thinking of uh, Killing Yourself to Live, I think is executed really well because that song just like is really pounding and building. And then, you know, Ozzy just starts screaming, Killing Yourself to Live. And at that point, it's just like, it's just really heavy and it just like hits so well, I think. And I have no problem with him just like repeating that a few times. And he's just like screaming it. And each time he screams it, it's just like dragged out a little more. Mm -hmm. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I completely agree. You're, you're exactly right. It's all about execution. It's all about how it's done, you know. Uh, it can be done really lazily, or it could be done really effectively. It, it's all about how it's done. Uh, so that's a really good point. I think that's a good comparison with Killing Yourself to Live, because it, it's not done... I think it's done a little bit more in Looking for Today. Like, they they do it uh, mm. a few less times in Killing Yourself to Live. But in that song specifically, it's incredibly effective. Um, it also helps when you have just a great title. Like, Killing Yourself to Live is a great mm. title, that really, I, I love that. It's just like a nice little phrase. Yeah, yeah. it's perfect. And so if that's going to be your title and that's just a well-constructed uh, little 
sense or, or title, um, you, you're, you should use it. Absolutely. So I, I, you make a lot of great points there. All right. And we're going into uh, our last song. Uh, and then after this, we will be looking at the comment section from the podcast episode for this album. But we're now moving into Spiral Architect. And our first comment comes from NP, who writes, I have the feeling that the audience applause at the end is a kind of sarcasm by the band. Well, yeah, we made a song with an orchestra, guys. We could do what others doing. Hope you liked it, but no more such stuff from us. Yeah, that was something I was talking about um, <laughs> in the video, was the applause at the end, because you get to... The very you get the high point of uh, Spiral Architect, and then you have all the people applauding at the very end. Um, and go, we'll we'll kind of dive more into some of people's thoughts on the applause in the comments because there are I I didn't even think about this. There are people who are thinking that it wasn't even applause; that it was something else. Um, but we'll kind of look at that when we get to the other comments. Um, something I said in the video is I could have done without the applause. I don't hate it. Like, I don't actively hate it. Like, I don't listen to Spiral Architect and go, oh, this fucking applause, you know. But um, <laughs> I don't I don't hate it. But, like, if it wasn't there, I wouldn't miss it at all. Yeah, I think I think little details like that are funny when I hear that in albums. Uh, so I, I'm just an appreciator of little humor here and there in albums. Mm -hmm. But um, And that's kind of how I would take it as well, similar to NP here. Um, but, yeah, you know, teach their own, yeah. I guess. Our next comment comes from Mojo Bag one who writes, The first and last songs are the album cover. One of the best prog rock tunes of the 70s. Yeah, the album cover... Let me, let me grab it right here. This album cover is so cool. It really is. It, it's just... It's one of my favorites. Uh, I love the simplicity of Black Sabbath. I also love the simplicity of Volume 4. Uh, but when you get to Sad Bloody Sabbath... So I guess... If he, so he's saying that the or they're saying that the uh, the first song Sad Bloody Sabbath and Spiral Architect are the album cover. So I guess I'm looking at this now. You know, I mean I don't necessarily 100% see that myself. Um, I guess you could like totally see that a little bit. Like Sad Bloody Sabbath, you kind of have like more the like this is dirty and nasty. Like the riffs, um, <laughs> um, but then you get to the back and it's a little bit more somber and it's more like angelic and you kind of have like more of a reflection on, on, oh, and that's gonna fall. Uh, you have more of a reflection. <laughs> you have more of a reflection on on life a little bit at the end. Like it seems like a person's dying at the end. So I guess I could see that comparison. Uh, there a little bit, but I, I do think the album cover itself is rather uh, underappreciated when it comes to uh, South covers. I, I'd never seen the back cover there either, and that's interesting, and I feel like it, it you know, if you're going to compare the, the beginning of the album to the front cover and the end of the album to the back cover, I think that's a pretty pretty good comparison there, especially with like, you know, the, the, uh, the as uh, NP puts it, the orchestra guys, um, and it, they, you know, they kind of just give it that more angelic feeling overall. Um, it's a little bit more somber, more introspective, I guess, opposed to the just heavy, heavy hard rock that you see on the cover and in the first song. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think that's that's a great way to put it. And props to the people who make the the 
the album covers and designed it all that they have that level of uh, mm. understanding of the music to really kind of create it that way. All right, our next comment on Spiral Architect comes from Misantroc666, who writes, I always thought that the sound at the end was rain, not audience. Really unexpected. I like to think that Spiral Architect is the power ballad of this album or something like that. I So it's interesting to me that other people don't immediately think it's an audience applause um, because I've never thought about it as being anything other than that. Like that's just always been my assumption is that's what it was. Um, I listening to it, I really don't think it's rain. I, I mean, you know, who knows, but I, I really don't think it's rain. If it was, that'd be a nice kind of throwback to, uh, to the beginning of Black Sabbath. But, um, I I do think it's applause, but it's interesting to me that there are people who that's not what their first thought was when they listened to it. Yeah. And I'm sure that just, um, you get sort of a different impression of it. Like instead of thinking it's applause and getting a little bit of humor out of it the rain probably just alludes to some other uh some other meaning for you so that's cool you know it's once again uh leaving the interpretation up to the listener yeah um our next comment comes from glenn who writes woohoo first comment i see i click i watch wonderful love it to see it wow amazing uh and then glenn follows up with uh after having watched the video um Love that beautiful start. Many bands have copied the changes in Black Sabbath's tunes, and this song is a great example. Can you imagine a full orchestra, a la Metallica, S&M, belting this out? For me, Sabra Kadabra should have been the ender. Love this album, and I appreciate your views on Sabbath. However, can't wait until Sabotage Brother, personally my favorite of the original eight. Going back to what I was saying about people's favorite albums seem to be Sabotage, but... I love this sort of speculation about what maybe could have been the ending to the album because I think there's a lot of songs on here that could have been the ending. I think Looking for Today could have been the end of the album. I think Sabracadabra is a great idea for the end of the album. I think also, I think Sabracadabra works so well as the ending of the A side of the record. Uh, Like, that's like a perfect way to end. It's a great ending, period. Uh, Whether it's the end of the A side or the end of the whole album, I think Sabracadabra is just a great finalizing song um but yeah i i think there maybe could have been a couple of songs that could have worked better as the ending of the album than spiral architect but i mean i, I said in the video like there there are people who spiral architect is one of their favorite south songs and it, it's it, no disrespect to anybody uh i'm sure there are people who don't think wheels of confusion is nearly as great as i think it is um uh, which i think is a absolute masterpiece and that's just the subjectivity of art in general is that we're all gonna even as people who all generally are accepting and saying we love sabbath and we think all sabbath is great we're gonna have differing opinions about which songs are better than others or which ones that we uphold to be uh greater than others and i i just love the love the discourse and for me like sabbath has always just done such a good job of introducing an album with something like that catches your ears that kind of you know more or less represents the album pretty well and then like you know in the middle of the album which is you know probably around your end of side a slash beginning of side b um just having like their most intense and um i don't know just like breathtaking experiences like 
like packed right in the middle there, which is probably yeah your end of side A, ending with something you know ending that first side with something powerful, and then opening right back up with something um, ear catching as well for the beginning of side B. Mm. I think they're really good at doing that. Like from my memory, I don't, I can't think of many like notable closers on their albums, and like I'm sure they exist just from the top of my mm. head, but like what really stick out for me is always the opening and like the very middle uh, of the albums. They're always really constructed well. I feel like, to me at least, their closers have always been really strong up until Spiral Architect. Um, Black Sabbath, you had Warning with, like, the really just long instrumental pieces, uh, which are fantastic. Paranoid ended with Fairies Wear Boots, which is a great closer. Uh, Mm. uh, Master of... Yeah, that is a great closer. Master of Reality closes with Into the Void, which is also a great closer. Uh, Volume 4 ends with Under the Sun, which has those great... uh, drum parts and everything and then um i don't know spiral architect just does not do it for me as much as some of the other songs but like i like i've said before i don't think it's a bad song by any stretch of the imagination uh i think it's a really good song it's just compared to like sabbath bloody sabbath or killing yourself to live or a national acrobat or sabracadabra looking for today it's not quite up there on that same level for me but that's just me and then we're moving on to uh, our last comment on Spiral Architect. Comes from Philip R., who writes, I think the whole know that it is good, they are good lyrics is a Bible reference. Genesis, probably. That was something I was saying in the video, was that there's this whole part of the song where they're like, I look at my life and know that it is good, they are good. or Like, that whole part felt kind of weak in terms of, like, the the writing of it. Um, at least I know if that, is, I don't know for a fact that that's true. So I'm going to go on the assumption for a second that that is true. Uh, at least I now know that when I say that that's weak writing, I'm not disparaging geezer. Um, I'd much rather disparage <laughs> the writers of the Bible than disparage geezer Butler. So, <laughs> so that, that works just fine for me. Yeah. Talk about, uh, devil music. There's straight up reference in the Bible. Yeah. Come on. Absolutely. Um, so that concludes Spiral Architect. Now we're moving on. We have a couple of comments on our podcast episode. So as a bunch of you know, I'm sure, once we do all the standalone videos, I compile the audio, put it together to make one long, big podcast episode of all of the album uh, reactions, commentaries for each album. So after I put that out, we got a few comments from the Sad Bloody Sabbath full album audio reaction commentaries our first one comes from ben s 1998 who writes looking for today is my favorite song from this album that's a hot take yeah it it is and we're we're getting a lot of people saying that and i love to see it especially since one of the things i was saying about looking for today was i thought it was criminally underappreciated seems like there are some people who are really appreciating so uh great to hear that from Mm. you ben i think sabbath bloody sabbath's got to be my favorite song from the from that album I'd say either South. Personally. I'd say either South Bloody Sabbath or Killing Yourself to Live. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, positive. me too. That's, that's number two for yeah. sure. Those are the top two contenders for me. Um, but I mean, looking for today yeah. is like is great. I love that song so much. So um, I don't. Oh, absolutely. I don't absolutely. think you can go wrong with saying that's your favorite. Um, Bryce Neal writes. I feel like the production is similar to Master of Reality. 
but it was more dry and polished compared to Volume 4 that had more of a raw and lo-fi sound. I think the best produced album is Sabotage. It sounds very live and is more wet sounding with reverb, especially in the drums and with more low end in the drums and bass, almost like an early Van Halen album. Uh, that's interesting to say because that's something we talked about. Uh, we've gone at length talking about on this channel that the first two albums were very much them recording their live shows. Uh, most famously that Black Sabbath, the album was recorded and rec they spent two days in the studio, one day to record, one day to mix, and that was it. The album was done. Master of Reality, they spent weeks in the studio. Um, in their subsequent albums, you hear more the production value of the album. Uh, I would agree. I think Sad Bloody Sabbath, I think, is their most produced album because you have, like, a full orchestra for Spiral Architect. You have all these other additional elements and instruments, the synthesizer, the flute, the, all these other pieces kind of coming together. Uh, and I do think Sad Bloody Sabbath is their most produced album. Um, and I don't mean that in a good or bad way. I just think it has the most production value to it. Yeah, I, I think th there's a couple different ways that you can, like, s slice it up here. First of all, I feel like this comment is really interesting, and I've never thought about how those albums compare in terms of just their sonic qualities. So I think it's really cool that Bryce uh, touched upon that, and I feel like I'm going to re-listen to these albums with that in mind. Uh, with that being said, I feel like, you know, the diff couple different ways you can slice it is that Sabbath Bloody Sabbath is their most produced album in terms of the amount of layers that are adding and, you know, this orchestra, and they're just adding tons of little tidbits to, um, like, I guess, strengthen their songs, strengthen their <coughs> melodies, what have you. But I think Sabotage... Yes, it is more of a live-sounding album, but I think just in its pure sonic quality and just the quality of production is just, like, immaculate. And I think it's mm. the best that they had up until that point, for sure. So it's... Sabbath Play Sabbath is their most produced album in terms of, like, studio tinkering with songs. I think Sabotage is their most produced album in terms of just, like, raw sonic quality, I think, is, like, the top. And then... um yeah, Volume 4, I've never really thought about in, like, a lo-fi way, but I, now that I'm thinking about it, that, like, totally makes sense to me. I'm going to have to listen to it again with that in mind. Yeah, and I think everything you're just saying, I think, makes complete sense with... And as we kind of dive into Sabotage, we'll talk a lot about how everything that was happen, happening, the context of how that album was made influenced so much of the sound and the tone of it, mm. because they were in the midst of these giant legal battles with their former manager in the studio to kind of, they, they talk about how when they were making sabotage, they were literally, they would be in court and then leave court, go record and then go from the studio, go back to court. And they would just like constantly, that was just their status. And the whole reason the album's called sabotage is they felt like they were being sabotaged as a band. Um, so, th so there's a lot of, and I, there's a lot of interesting elements with that. With that context, you kind of understand a little bit more of why Sabotage, the album, has that sound to it. So and that's all mm -hmm. stuff we'll touch up more as we kind of get into that album very shortly. I uh, like these last couple of comments here. Good way to wrap it up. <laughs> uh, our second to last comment comes from Ender is 767 who just writes, love this video. Well, thank you so much, Ender. Uh, I don't recognize your name, so it looks like that you're a new commenter. Thank you so much for being a part. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, and definitely come back and check out more because we have a lot more to offer. 
And our final comment comes from Glenn Kirchens, who writes, Seeth, clicketh, watcheth. Again, uh, <laughs> model subscriber here at Glenn Kirchens. Um, that about does it for the comment section of Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. These are one of my favorite videos to do um, because so, there's so many great comments. So many people have so many great insights and thoughts and uh, just an, an outpour of, of love for Sabbath. And it, it's just always fun to do these videos. And having this be the first video uh, comment section video that you've joined me for, it was great to have you here to bounce ideas off of. Uh, it's definitely gone uh, a little bit longer than I typically do the videos, but that is perfectly a-okay with me uh, because we had some great uh, discussions here. Yeah, we did. We had some great discussions. We're just uh, getting those ideas out and bouncing in between each other. I think that's neat. And it was really cool to just interact with uh, what people were saying about the videos I was involved with and even the ones I wasn't involved with because, you know, I still generally get what they're saying about the songs i understand the songs and uh how they're interacting with these videos so it's cool to interact with their interactions as well absolutely um so it was great to have you here and very shortly we will be diving into sabotage which as you could tell from some of those comments uh people have been asking about and people have been eagerly awaiting us to talk about sabotage uh so that will probably I think you guys, for people who have watched this channel for any time, uh, period of time, know that I I have other things that I kind of get sidetracked with. So I do observing the Sabbath in spurts. Uh, so hopefully uh, we'll be getting out our sabotage videos very shortly. We'll be kicking off with Hole in the Sky, which is just an absolute uh, great great song so we'll be doing sabotage very shortly and johnny you'll be joining me for some of those songs uh as we tackle that album yes i will be i yeah. look forward to it absolutely so uh once again i'm nathaniel molnar thank you so much for watching uh make sure to like make sure to comment make sure to subscribe do it the glenn kirchens way uh and see it Click it, watch it, like it, subscribe, all that good stuff. And Johnny, once again, thank you for being here. Uh, and I look forward to having you back on as we talk about some sabotage. Yeah, I can't wait to be back. Let's do it. All right. So until then, until we tackle sabotage, thank you so much for watching. <laughs>